Ah, God, I remember this episode. It had drama. You know, when you were my girlfriend, you would have been five minutes late. Well, I'm not your girlfriend anymore. Fine. That's the way you want it. I got a better idea. Let's not be friends anymore either. Our Boy Meets World version of drama. <laughs> when the spawn meets world. What up, bro? What up, bro? And welcome to Bra Meets World. What is Bra Meets World? Your Boy Meets World fan cast, episode 60. Yo. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, Tony Coitus. And we're back. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Much, much we're back. We, we're back. We're here for another week. Uh, do you have anything that you want to start off with or... Well, uh, I'll say that we're recording this during the the period of time where Boy Meets World is not available on Hulu. The in-betwixt. The in-betwixt. Um, someone on our Facebook page was kind enough to remind us that we can uh, review these episodes on YouTube. Um, so I actually did uh, hop on the YouTube to re-watch the episode before talking about it, just so I have it fresh in my mind. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this episode is interesting. I feel like um, there's a lot of um, interesting, like... X is being friends, things that's happening. There's a lot of interesting things happening with Eric and learning what education means to him. There's also people come back from the dead in this episode. So there's just a lot going on. People come back from the dead? Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into that. Uh, but let's get into our Tell Me About It. Tell me about it. Uh, this is season three, episode 14, A Kiss is More Than a Kiss. Mm-mm. At Sean's urging, Corey re-enters the dating world but he cannot bring himself to kiss his date, Melissa, because he's still in love with Topanga. But she's too busy locking lips with another guy. Mr. West. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, do we want to just go into the road? Yeah, call? please, because that's that's what I'm here to talk about. And talk about Shane West. A teenage heartthrob Shane West. To be fair, Shane did have that, like, look. You know, just like the blonde 90s kid. Well, look. it's interesting because I obviously probably like most people know him best from Walk to Remember. Like, that was my first introduction Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, like, seeing him with, like, longer hair was interesting. I was like, oh, yeah, that's him. But this is, like, the grungy 90s version of him. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And then we have um, in our other roll call, we have Sadie Kratzig. As Felicia, I don't really know. Bye, Sorry. Felicia. And Andy McAfee, who is Marissa. Her last name is McAfee. McAfee. Okay. Yeah, at McAfee. I don't know. I'm I'm going with that. Okay. Sure. Anyway, that is our Marissa, who I called Blossom this entire time. Yeah. She had the Blossom hat. Sure. <laughs> and then our roll call, who I know you're looking forward to. Oh man, so uh, which is the intro of Lindsay Ridgeway. A.K.A. Morgan number two. I want to talk about this for just a second because... do it. I feel like in 90s sitcoms, we saw our good share of central characters being eliminated or swapped out, right? What was going on? Maybe... I don't know what it is, but we did that a lot where we were just like, switch it, no one will notice. Yeah. It's not that no one noticed, but it was just like, eh, it'll be fine. (laughs) And I just want to commend Boy Meets World because I actually think they did the better job with it. Because, you know, like, for example, with Fresh Prince, like, one season, we had one Aunt Viv. Next season, different Aunt Viv. But they acknowledge they it. They acknowledge it in, like, a meta, breaking the fourth wall, like, moment in, like, the opening sequence. But then it's never discussed again. Morgan, by, like, 
basically eliminating her for half the season. It allows the audience to forget her and um, understand her as Corey's sister instead of the way the previous actress portrayed her. Like, they're not comparing the two actresses. Because it's been so long. It's been so long that there's not really a fresh memory to compare it to, which I think is actually truly, like, the best way you could have gone about this. All right, I, I can see that. I was just thinking about, like, uh, the Beckys on Roseanne. Yes. Uh, which Sarah Chalk was one of, uh, for those who know I love Scrubs. And then also, uh, what's it like another... Well, well, we, we saw to... Judy Winslow just up and disappear. Judy Winslow died, and they had to, like, they, <laughs> I don't know what happened in the show's canon, but, like, they, like, we don't have another canon. I think she joined a cult. She became a Scientologist. That's what happened. Possibly. <laughs> they were like, we have no other daughter. Or maybe she just ended up being gay and they disowned her because they were a black family in the 90s. That is very true. In Chicago. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought it was a fun little bit. One that went on a little too long. But I, I do like this actress's portrayal of Morgan. I think so. I and think she's, she's a little bit... Because I thought about it. I was like, oh, she's got more of the one-liners. And she's like really zinging but early morgan did the exact same thing totally. she just did it in a different way she did and I, I do think that this morgan is a little bit more sitcom than the other one like i think the other one was too young to be aware that she was on television whereas i feel like this morgan is very aware that she's on tv she's very aware that she's a replacement morgan yeah you know what i mean um but i think she still like plays into it nicely and i think the little bits of her that we see throughout the episode normalize her presence and make us understand but the one thing i just want to talk about for a second <laughs> is, Morgan, where have you been for almost a year? I've just been in my room for a long time. <laughs> the longest time out. The, yeah, it's the longest time out, and I think it's explained because she said, like, a bad word or something? I have no idea. I don't remember that at all, and I won't pretend to. <laughs> but just the idea that she's been, like, living in a tower like a hunchback. Um, Amy and Alan need to go to prison. Am I right? Am I, uh, has well, she been no, going to she, school? She's clearly been well-fed. We we haven't seen her as the TV audience, but she's around. I noticed they never took her photo off of the mantle, but what's always interesting to me is old Morgan's photo is still there. So we're in this, like, weird Twilight dimension. Really? Look over the fireplace. We still have old Morgan over the fireplace. I like the idea that they are trying to have have us believe that this is the same Morgan who has simply aged. Yes. <laughs> Very interesting. What I'm hearing is, even according to TV execs, all white people look the same. <laughs> I've been saying that for years. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, in all honesty, I'm just trying to think uh, like a modern take on that. It's to just have them like like a new video game just came out. Or like, you know, like it's like, oh, hey, where have you been, Morgan? It's like, oh, I've been playing the latest version of, I don't know, uh, Assassin's Creed or something, you know? Like, I just feel like yeah, that would be, just like, like, the modern some version. Kind of thing. I, I don't know why they didn't just say, like, she was at, like... Summer camp? camp or <laughs> I know it's, like, the middle of the year, but, yeah, yeah, something like that. But, honestly, it, it honestly, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, part. but I'm just saying, like, in the whole TV trope idea yeah. that this character's been gone, I feel like a very modern way of doing that would just give them, a, like, an obsession that we all do. Or, sure. you know, it's like, oh, I've been binging... The last few seasons of my favorite show, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> That's That was my only thing. Okay, um, do you want to talk about oh, the episode? I, what about she got a boyfriend? Who? So, Morgan. Like, she had, like, a little boyfriend, and so she just kind of, <laughs> you know. This was back in the 90s where we were definitely not giving little kids. Well, actually, I was going to say we weren't giving little kids boyfriends, but 
Little Richie yeah. had Naya Rivera. Totally. So I guess you're you're right. It would have been we could have had some some Taj Maori crossover. Ooh. <laughs> He's a smart guy. <laughs> Good for you. I'm very proud. Um, okay. Uh, talk about the episode. Okay, so let's um, do our two storylines, which is the A storyline. Yeah. Is uh, of course Corey and Topanga in this dating situation, and then the B storyline would be Eric and his college admissions. Yeah. Um, so I would love to start with B because I feel like that just takes up less time. I yeah, I definitely want to talk about Eric because Eric in this episode, um, he is uh, Feeney finds him getting reading a rejection letter. Um, he got thirty to forty rejection letters. Which, by the way, like when he said that, like there wasn't. Dude, has this never heard of community college? Like, what is the problem? So, it's really funny, because I didn't think about that, but you're right. So many times, even when we're watching, uh, like, in other shows, community college is never really shown as an option, except in the show Community. Yeah. <laughs> but, outside, I mean, and even that's played for, like, a joke and laughs. Very rarely... Do you see someone say, hey, I'm going to go to a local community college, work my way up, and then try to get into an Ivy League? Instead People of People treat, like, community colleges like it's, like, uh... Like, like clown college. Yeah, well, <laughs> that or just, like, uh, like the... The minor leagues. Yeah. Something like, you know, well, you'll be lucky to make it into the majors after if you get into there. But it's like, <laughs> dude, this is community college. At least as far as I know, I don't know if it changed. Community college was a direct path to a state school. You were almost guaranteed to get into a state school if you went to a, a state community college. And you saved money. I, like, I wish I had done it sooner. It was, I think, I, I wonder if that's a millennial thing, though. That, like, as they the created price... That. The price increases happened, like, it's made community colleges more of a option. I talk about this all the time. My boyfriend, who went to college around the time Eric would have gone to college, one semester of my education was his four-year college education. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I thought that was really interesting that he didn't even think of, like, even, like, there's no way that, like, a non-competitive school would have just let him in based on simply applying, but... Whatever. I I assume he's applying to Harvard and Yale and all of these places that he only knows by name. Forty school rejections. That Jeez. he's applying. Like what I imagine is he's applying to literally everything that's like within a reasonable distance. I just I I refuse to believe that he wouldn't get a simple yes or even a waiting list, regardless of his grades. I mean, yeah. What was the name of the school that he Boris? Yeah, Boris College. <laughs> Yeah, so I will say that there's a few things. One, it's the fact that I love Feeney's whole... Feeney says something along the lines of... Um, hold on. No one likes rejection. Keep applying and keep trying. You and the right college will eventually find each other. Which I, I think it's... It's Feeney's mature, like, educator way of saying... Yeah, you didn't really do the work that you need to do, but there's education for everyone. And if you really keep trying and you keep putting yourself out there, you'll find something. I think this episode is kind of low-key, like, major important to... Majorly important to Eric's uh, arc. Absolutely. Because not only is this, like, you know, we're really seeing what college means to him, um, there's... This storyline is a typical Eric get-rich scheme thing that... 
old Eric would have fallen for. Absolutely. Wait, all I have to do is fill out this piece of paper and I have a degree? That seems like something old Eric would really be down for, taking the easy way. And it was almost like this time he was like, no, I don't want to do that. And I want to work harder. And there's a girl that he's sitting with in the cafeteria who's like, oh, maybe I should try to get in this college. We could party together. And he's like, I'm not going to be too much doing too much partying, but we can study together, which is huge for Eric. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was like... Uh, I remember the three teachers, of course, being at the table mm. when he's talking about Boris, and everyone's just like, Boris University? Boris. Like, like, are we serious? Are we buying this? And it kind of made me feel sad, because you do... I think everyone just sees it for the situation that it is, which is he's feeling left out. And they again, they're all his teachers. They know his grades. And so yeah. they're like... Even, like even on the off chance that he got into this, this doesn't sound like a respectable university. Well, it seems as though Eric figures out pretty quickly that yeah, Eric was onto it. But um, the reason why he tells Feeney that he kind of just went along with it, he's like, you know, all, all of my friends, everyone else is so excited about where they're going next year, and I don't, I don't have that. And I got to be honest, it made me wonder, like, why does Eric want to go to college? We've because never, everyone else is. Because everyone else is. There's no, like, I want to go because I want to study this. Like, we do find that later in the season, like, where he kind of gravitates towards meteorology. But prior to this, there's nothing like, oh, I'm really excited to become this. He's just like, no, I want to do what all my friends are doing. Absolutely. And I, I will say, we've had this conversation before, that... That's common of a lot of people. A lot of people were just told they were going to college. And you go to college and you some people even get in and they go their first semester, not because they want to study or they want a better life or they want a degree, but because that's what they were supposed to do. And also, I will say that um, as an 18-year-old, when you don't really know what you want to do, like going through the pattern of school seems a lot, like, safer than just, like, going out into the world. Absolutely. So, like, you're used to going to school. You've been going to school your entire life. So to stop going to school can sometimes be a, a more drastic change. Um, so you just go to college because it's what you've always done. It reminds study. me of, um, I don't know, I, you've seen it, but I don't know if, how many of our listeners are familiar with the show Girlfriends. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. like, the main, one of the main characters, Lynn, her reoccurring joke is she stays in school for so long because it's easier for her to go into the real world. So she just gets master degree after master's degree. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's a, that's a really big thing. For me, it made me think of those schools where they put, like they list who got into what, and it's like plastered over everything. Our school didn't do that, I don't think. But um, I think we did have like a school spirit day where the seniors were supposed to like wear a school shirt or sweatshirt from the college. They were uh, going to. I was doing Dolan Rona at that time and I was like <laughs> actually on college campus when that <laughs> happened. But no, I think like I just think of those. I'm all I always felt weird about that. Yeah. About like seniors where they're like, oh, this person got into this school and, and it's just listed everywhere. And you're like, that has to I do make people to... feel very crappy. If you've decided like what if you just decided to take a gap year? Yeah. Like, there's totally. nothing wrong with that, but you also get left out of this celebratory thing. Yeah, I don't remember there being this like public like even conversation really about where people were going. Like I might ask a friend one on one, but it wasn't this like huge thing really yeah I don't know. yeah um 
But I do like how at the end of this storyline, um, Eric gets his recommendation letter from Feeny. And the recommendation letter is great. Well, Absolutely. It's, because it's really, I think it's true to Eric and Feeny's relationship. What's he say? He says, uh, enormous potential, someone I'd bet on. Yes. Which I just thought was just perfect for, for who, for where we are with Eric and Feeny's relationship and what we know of Eric. Because that's, I 100% agree. He has incredible potential. Does he ever reach it? That's... Uh, I mean, to be fair, in um, Girl Meets World, he's a politician. So, I mean, take for that what you will. There you (laughs) are. are. Um, But yeah, so I I really do think that this is really important because I now see that, like, school means more to him than partying. I now see that, like, he doesn't want to just get into any school. He wants to get into a good school and he wants to work for it. And so all of those things, I think, help shape the Eric that we're going to see going forward. Yeah. Okay. Um, a story. Oh, oh, just real quick. I just want to say, Eric says a really funny joke where he's like, uh, "Mr. Feeney, I'm no brain surgeon." Well, according to Boris, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he said I figured it out when they sent me my diploma. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah. Um, and that's also I like this is a complete tangent, but I do have a problem with how we do school applications in general. It costs a lot of money to apply to school. And if I don't know in the 90s, but I'm imagining all the money he spent applying to all these colleges. Dude, it's like 50 bucks an application, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, all of that, plus you still have to write individual essays and stuff like that. You're not, like... Yeah, because every school has a different criteria for what you need to submit to apply. And this is what I'm saying. It's like, that, that to me... It's really frustrating to know that we put this much weight on children, basically, to have to apply to so many things and spend so much money um, when we know for a fact, like, it's not for everybody. Dude, they're force-feeding us that blue pill, so tra- <laughs> that's your indoctrination into the system, bro. I was thinking, like, in all actuality, it's just like applying for a job where you have to do it every day. and you're, like and Just you, preparing Just you. so many. But at least with job applications, for the most part, you don't have to spend any money to do it. No. Whereas um, with college ex- applications, it totally... Um, it's, it's very costly. Yeah, you just have to, like, get a suit. Get some clean <laughs> urine and you're good to go. <laughs> I love how you have to include clean urine in there. Okay, uh, a storyline: Corey, Topanga, Nick, this. So Corey and Topanga, we find them at the beginning of the episode discussing how they're excited to do the school prom fashion show together. Which, which yeah. I I want to pause and just talk about prom fashion shows because. <laughs> I believe you, uh, both of us were in the fo- the prom fashion show. I, very, like, here's the thing. I have a terrible memory of these things, but it sounds likely. I was in it both junior and senior year, and I believe you were in it at least senior year. Absolutely. Here's the thing. is Does it sound like something I would have done? Yes. Is it something that I remember? Not at all. Oh, I remember <laughs> it. I remember Travis Pate playing Lifehouse as I walked <laughs> out in my suit with my high school girlfriend. Oh my god, dude. It was who coincidentally named Marissa. Yes, that's right. small world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I remember the prom fashion show. It's interesting because in this show, the prom fashion show is for parents to pick out clothes for their kids. Yes. Which for us, it was us for our peers, and everyone got catalogs to yes. take home, and it was a thing 
for, from kids for kids. And so yeah. it was very weird to see the parents, like, thinking, oh, I want to buy this. Well, I, I, I did, to me, I saw that, A, because they didn't want to catch that many children. Yep. Um, and then B, I was like, all right, this kind of makes sense to me. I've seen it done on t- TV a lot, where it's like, oh, we're going to have a, a fashion show and people are just going to bid and all this other stuff. Sure. Where I was like, this seems like a very weird way to get clothes. But again, you and I live in a fast fashion culture. And like, what is it? Men's Warehouse just has like a market on all these things. Sure, it's like, yeah. This is where you're going. This is where you're getting it. Don't even really worry about that much. So I don't know. I was like, mm, I'm I'm willing to suspend disbelief. Although it did bring me to my turned on by Turner moment, which is where turned on by Turner. Ooh, and that's when uh, they're offering to buy his clothes. <laughs> um, you know what? Real quickly, I do want to talk about Turner for a second because there's one thing that, like, don't get me wrong. I thought he was very funny. I loved the whole bit. Um, but to me, I couldn't help but just be like, oh, wow, it's so crazy how Jonathan's character has changed so much since season two as far as being a central storyline because, you know, by the time Sean moves in, like, at the end of season two, mm-hmm. I can't imagine the show without him. Yeah. And then when he pops up in this episode, I'm like, bro, like, what is your purpose exactly? Like, you're living with Sean, yet I see nothing of that relationship growing at all. Sean is out of that Turner's house most of the time. Well, last week, remember, we had a little bit of development, and we, we got to meet some of his old flame and his old lifestyle so i just i feel like he's not contributing to the boy meets world show like everything this season has been like boy meets world and then some side tangents of like jonathan and eli doing 20 something absolutely what would be now a web series yeah so it just it does feel very um like i can i'm i can see how the show is losing uh, their ideas of what to do with him yeah, I, I can see that. And I think it's just because we start focusing on the, the kids in such a different way. Like, now that I guess now that we have dating really in the mix, they are just so much meat on that, though. Well, I also think, too, that the, the show is changing and that the kids aren't talking with the teachers as much as they're just figuring things out for themselves. Yes. So in the past episode where Corey and Topanga may have had this dispute, he would have gone to Alan, they would have had this conversation, and he would have tried it, and it would have been fine. Yeah. This, he's like, no, I'm going to talk to Topanga about this. And, like, they have this kind of uh, really intense conversation at the end of the episode that we may have not had in season two. So I just think that the the purpose of the adults is shifting as the kids are figuring more out on their own. No, I mean, like, again, I'm thinking about last week's episode where pretty much, yeah, Jonathan was doing his own thing and it was Sean's, like, eavesdropping that helped him come to his conclusion. It's not like he actually sat down with Jonathan and explained what the situation. He was just like, huh, okay, I can see how what you went through could apply in my own life. And then he just went off and did his own thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. definitely. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like this idea of what to do after a breakup. It's, again, this is the Boy Meets World territory where I'm like, yes, we are hitting on adult issues that are relevant today that are amazing that we're talking about in high school. And the, like, this is real complexities of high school too, because unlike us in our 30s where we're like, oh yeah, I could probably be friends with an ex if it ended okay, if we had a good relationship or whatever, if it didn't interfere with any current relationships, like, there could be a place for that. But Um, even that takes a level of maturity that not everyone has. Exactly. (laughs) A hundred percent. 
But to even think about that at 15, yeah. like, where you're just like, of course Corey's jealous. How is Topanga not jealous? Like, how how are they able to, um, how is Corey able to so quickly just be like, yeah, we can do this together. We can hang out. Oh, he still has feelings for her. Oh, yeah. this is awkward. And uh, again, as it's Boy Meets World, of course it took it from the point of, how Corey would really be reacting to this. And yes. we, we don't really see any downtime where Topanga's struggling with it. What we see is we pick up right when Corey's being faced with, hey, this is your new reality now. Um, and I really, I really, I just thought it was great because unlike Gossip Girl or some of these other teen shows where it's a thing, but it's not really, we kind of move yeah. past it or it's, it's really dramatic. This dealt with it in a very real life way, a very, Hey, not only are you jealous and upset, but like, you're not, you don't have some master scheme to take her down. And like, we all, you know, it's like, it's yeah. not this whole thing where you are spending thousands of dollars and somehow you're, friend's uncle is involved you know it's just like sure. no all that is happening here is that you are using and weaponizing your relationship with your ex as a way to get her to do what you want her to do and she very rightfully is like that's not fair well i i you know what as a kid i couldn't quite understand um topanga being able to move on so quickly but as an adult i was kind of like Girl, you do you. You're single. Yeah. You're out there living your best life. Like, you're doing what you told Corey. Hey, we are breaking up to see other people. Like, Absolutely. that's the reason we're breaking up. And so she was, she took it more seriously. And she kind of opened herself up, as I would expect from someone like Topanga, who just has a more open understanding of the, of, uh, 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 uh kind of this hippie worldview of just like, you know, I can. Um, she has emotional maturity. Emotional maturity, yes. And it's it's the type of emotional maturity that, for her character right now, makes sense. It makes it's it's the type of emotional maturity where she does what the storyline would call a mistake or or weird or you know it's like she's just not this angel angelic being who's waiting around for Corey, yeah. which like again most other TV shows would do. Topanga's living her life in the way that she knows how, and she's holding Corey to a certain expectation that's not unreasonable. I, um, one of the things I really liked is that when Corey confronts the Penga about having seen her make out with Shane West, yeah, um, she doesn't apologize for kissing him. She's like, I'm sorry you had to see that. People are staring at us. Well, let him stare at us. That didn't seem to bother you last night at Chubby's. You were there? Yeah. Well, how do you think that made me feel? Corey, I'm sorry you saw that. Well, you both knew we were going to see other people. I know, but you're not supposed to kiss anybody else. Corey, I wish I knew what to say. Dude, Topanga is a pro at this. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like, I kept watching it, and uh, what happened? I think there is a, a scene, or I just, I just remember in my notes, there is something where... He's like, if she keeps kissing other guys, then it's over. And it's like, it is over. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's that thing where Corey's like, no, if she, like, how can she do this to me as if we're, in Corey's mind, they're still together. And Topanga well, has to be like, this is not, we are not, you need to accept that reality. Nick is who I'm dating. Get used to it. It's, it's also, I think pretty believable for Corey to feel all this. I would actually think it would be strange for him to be excited to go out and date, um, considering, like, that he and Topanga were, like, these star-crossed whatever. Like, they just... 
I don't know. There, it for him to move on would be odd. I think. I think he needed this time to kind of like mourn and be told to like, hey, you need to grow up for him to kind of snap out of it. Absolutely. Well, again, I love that. There's a line in it where, uh, very truthfully, to just how men mature. Um, in general, but he goes, Corey's like, I'm supposed to see other people. You're supposed to wait until I die. And like that, that, that right there is so real on how most people feel when there's a breakup and we, and it's amicable and people are like, Hey, we're going to see other people and we're going to do other things. Um, I've mentioned this a few times, but one of my favorite books on polygamy or open relationships or all these stuff is called the ethical slut. And it really did for the very first time illustrate to me how many people are like, Oh, I think we should be in this type of relationship. And what they really mean is I think I should be in this type of relationship and you should come along and allow me to do these things. But when when it's the other person has equal time and equal right to do all the things that you want to do, all of a sudden it's like you've lost something. And you're like, wait, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. Sure. And it was just, again, to me, very, very enlightening. Um, one thing that I thought was super interesting um, to your point of how men and women kind of respond differently to these types of things. Um, Topanga has this really kind of big idea, and I have it in my notes that I wanted to talk about. Um she says, uh, sorry, just one second. Uh-huh. I've got all this. Yeah. Um, Topanga brings up an important point when she tells Corey that, you know, um, Corey confronts her like, oh, I saw you kissing Nick and it took you forever to kiss me the way that you kissed him. Uh. And she's like, well, I never liked him the way I liked you. Yes. And to me, as soon as she said that, like, it really kind of, I was like, whoa, this is a big like misunderstanding between men and women because I think men have a very difficult time with the understanding that I liked him less so I did more with him quicker because it didn't mean anything to me Mm -hmm. whereas from a guy's perspective it's like oh you were physical with that person you must like them more than you liked me because you were physical with them quicker absolutely and and again as you said it's just kind of like an understanding of how we're trained and and what we consider um, moving on. Because if you even want to take that measurement, Sean tells Corey it's not a date until you've kissed kissed her. You know what I mean? It's the reason we got out of the trees, man. <laughs> <laughs> a date is not a date until you kiss. And I think that that's really interesting because that shows where the male mindset is. It's like, oh, it's not even... <laughs> Again, I think this is kind of like the whole blurry line of men cheating it's like i didn't even kiss her like what are you talking about i went i went out with her but like nothing happened and therefore this wasn't really cheating i think it just kind of comes down to the understanding that for women at least for the most part in my personal experience Mm -hmm. bullshit 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 um that uh like sex is our, our physical you know touch whatever it's all things that will hopefully lead to love and like deep commitment. Whereas yeah. for guys, love and commitment, at least, you know, generally at this age, very young and immature, will hopefully lead to sex and physical touch. Absolutely. So just that separation between the two is really I mean, clear in that in that one Even scene. if you think about Marissa, she even is like 
you know, she, she goes out with Corey a few times and she's disappointed that she didn't get a kiss. And, you know, like she's putting a lot of weight on it and she, she agrees to go out with him again. But I feel like as a, a form to redo, it's like, all right, maybe like, I'll give you another chance to get no, this No, but I, I disagree with that because she actually goes up to him and she's like, most guys would have kissed me and you didn't. And I really like that. Yeah. But I think, I think that even with that, it was, uh, again, not kissing meant something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. To her, she's he's like, she's thinking, oh, he didn't kiss me because he really likes me. Exactly. Not like these other guys who just want to kiss me and exactly. move on. Exactly. And that's my point. Uh, and it's just, it's just this way. And it's funny because, again, from the male perspective, we know that he didn't kiss her because he chickened out. It had nothing to do with any real connection that they had. Um, it's so much so that he was willing to meet her parents, which, again, kind of shows that for him... He was just meeting new people. No, but from her <laughs> perspective, meeting my parents means you really, really, really like me. Exactly. They're different milestones. And Corey, what Corey was doing, which again is very true to a lot of men, what Corey was doing to delay, she took as, oh, you're doing all the steps that would really show me that you care. And <laughs> only until the end, once that physical connection actually happens, they're like, oh, yeah, there's nothing here. Um, to me, it's not necessarily time wasted, but it is this, this whole thing of like, yeah, you guys could have gotten that over with had you either been straightforward or not led her on by doing the things that you know, if you were to really, I don't know, like, I guess you could interpret it that way, but I think there's also a lot of signs that Corey was not trying to lead her on. The first date, weren't even in the same theater. Second date, not even in the same row. Like, he is keeping a distance that could be easily misinterpreted. It could, but I think it's, it's, uh, this is, I agree with you that he's giving signs, but it's also one of those things where if you, if someone is constantly asking you out, you assume that they have to like you in some way. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, maybe he's shy. Maybe it's just taking him a lot. Like, your mind just justifies every decision that they're making because why else would he keep asking you out if he didn't want to be with you? Yeah. And we know it's because he's distracting himself. Again, as someone, like, we've both recently dated in a modern culture, and, like, that's what I think, like, a side effect of ghosting is it's like you start seeing someone repeatedly and you're you've been hanging out and you're doing things but you can't really get a read on them and then one day they just disappear and you're yeah. like wait i mean like i guess they weren't really showing me that they were interested it makes also, you reinterpret like go back and think like oh i i was misreading something i was misreading some things but also you were doing certain things you yeah. asked to meet my parents like why would you do that if yeah. you didn't and this is this is what I'm talking about. Dating is always crazy and weird. <laughs> um, one of the things I thought was really interesting is how Sean um, kind of coordinates this double date. He's like, Corey, you need to move on. You need to date other girls. And Corey's like, he's like, Sean's like, let's do a double date. And Corey's like, well, okay, yeah, that's fine. But what are you going to do then? Like trying to like be jazz. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Sean casually looks over to the first girls he sees and is like, <laughs> hey, you guys want to go out with me and Corey tonight? Yeah, I didn't and know I that. Just, I just thought that was such a TV way to ask someone out. Have you ever been asked out or asked someone out in a way that you literally just casually bumped into and you're like, hey, do you, you want to go out on a date tonight? Yeah. I think oh, I have, okay. Here's like, I'm not gonna. Say, I'm not gonna say that it's something I do often, but I there was a time, especially like in college, where I was just like carefree, and I was just 
I was that bold person who was just like, hey, you're really hot. I want to talk to you for a moment. Maybe we, you know, like, I was that person. Okay. It's not something that I did, like, all the time, and I definitely was not that person in high school. But in college, there was, like, and I think that's what we're supposed to see. Remember, Sean is very comfortable in his ability to get dates. So I think for him, he was like, oh, yeah, why? Of course, if I put the line out there, I'm going to catch something. You know what I mean? You know what? And that kind of gets to my central issue with this episode is that I feel like we keep getting conflicting messaging in which we have Sean and Corey's parents and pretty much everyone around Corey's life being like, hey, you need to date more. It's good for you to date more because the the more people you know, that's how you figure out who you're going to like. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what Amy says. Like, you don't know who you like until you date around. Yeah. Which is very true and very important. However, the show itself is contradicting that message by not allowing Corey to truly open himself up to anyone else. He is dead set on Topanga, and it never shifts away from that to the point where the show's like, oh, this is soulmates. They're meant to be. And I have to be honest, I really think one of the negative things I took away from the show as a kid was this idea that you were supposed to meet one person, and that was supposed to be it. And I didn't really date around as much because I was... I always thought that this was the way it was supposed to be. Yes. Versus, no, that's kind of the opposite. You meet more people, you realize, wow, I don't like the way this person talks to me. I don't like the way this person treats me. I don't like the way this person behaves. I don't like the way this person treats service people. I don't like the way this people talk to their parents. Like, any of that shit that comes up. It takes time, and I just really regret, because the one time that Corey actually does open himself up to another girl, Lauren, (laughs) um, uh, that shit... He, they the show doesn't even allow him to to pursue that in any serious way. No, it's a it's a it's a it's, it's an event, and yeah. it's, it's a a wrinkle in their love story. Exactly. Versus just being like, no, like we're young, and I want to meet someone else. And yeah, I think about it. It's it goes back to that whole as you were saying, meant to be storyline that we really, really did in like the nineties where I think of like Steve Urkel and Laura mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong. They at least dated other people, but it was always this thing where what, what would be seen as pestering or stalking was like endearing. And it's just like, Oh no, they just really like you. And the same thing with here. I love that Tabanga just shuts him down. And she's like, I am not your girlfriend. You need, like, I am your friend, and I don't want to lose my friend, but if you keep behaving this way, I won't even have that, because you are not respecting me as a person, and I get that we had something real, but this is not, in a a very meta way, this is not a TV show. You don't just get to own me, and I'm yours, and we wait around for each other, even though that's what we eventually do. It kind of makes me realize, like, how much on uh, 90 sitcoms there was this, like, person who was supposed to be, like, this playboy date person, but they ended up, like, settling very quickly. Like, I I immediately think of John Stamos and Jailbird Becky, how, like, (laughs) he was supposed to be, like, this heartthrob, but he ended up just being in a monogamous relationship for a majority of that show, and how they often have these characters that, at one point, find freedom in dating, realize at some point, wow, what I'm really missing is this. Yeah. And I feel like that's a pretty consistent message that I've heard from 90s television. I think we'll, we get that uh, a lot. Um, and I that, think Sex and the City changes that. I think that's the first thing. I was going to say Sex and the City, and then also, uh, I'll say Friends. Friends oh, okay. ends with Joey. Like, don't get me wrong, most of the Friends do. But Joey, who was and always has been seen as this playboy, Joey ends the series single. You know, yeah. it's like they don't 
have Joy meet someone and then the next day he's in this long-term committed relationship and is about to have a kid, you know, which is what a lot of TV shows would do. Um, but I mean, for four of the six to end up together, that's still... Uh, no, no, I'm saying I agree yeah. with you, but I'm also just saying that we are starting to get certain characters. And I will also say that Joy's not seen as, like, happy with it. He, yeah. he wants something deeper. Um... But, yeah, it's, it's very complicated. One thing that I liked and I just wanted to bring up is the the line of the first date after your relationship is really tough. And I definitely, like, globbed onto that. Because it's something that we really don't talk about, especially to boys. Like, yeah. I think there's always the deforsay woman who talks about, you know, and we see a lot of time in movies or television where it's like she's getting back out there and how hard that is for her and her body's yeah. not the same and does she have kids or yada 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 but we very rarely see a guy having problems getting back into the dating pool unless of course it's like he's having a complete breakdown and it's clear it's that he's exaggerated yeah, yeah it's very exaggerated so. um no yeah definitely i think that there's um I think that the way that uh, Corey matures throughout this episode, I think is is one of those things where um, he, at the beginning, like you said, has a very hard time moving on, at, and he progresses past that, but he doesn't really. And that's one thing I want to point out, is that he, he agrees to be friends with Topanga, but he still ends up crushing and fawning and still believing that he is meant to be with Topanga in these next few episodes. So it's yeah. one of those Boy Meets World things of, like, you learn the lesson, but that lesson goes away after this episode. <laughs> well, also, I think there is something, or there can be something to be said about respecting someone's choice, even if it's not what you want. You know what sure. I mean? Like, there, there are plenty of people, or there are crushes that you have, or whatever, where you're like, oh, this won't be what I want it to be. Um, and you know what? What you need right now is a friend. And yeah. so I'm going to be a friend. That doesn't mean that I'm still not into you. It does. I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm not into you. And it doesn't mean that if you were to change your mind, I wouldn't leap at the opportunity. But I will also be a friend and not make that the focal point. Do you think it's... I mean, Topanga has incredible emotional maturity, as we mentioned. Do you think her kissing Corey on the cheek or anything like that is really good? Like, it, it's clearly not good for Corey for her to be doing things well, like that. Well, I did like how when the, she does it the first time, he's like, why are you doing that? And she goes, I've always done that. Like, why would I not? And I, for me, I was like, ugh. You can't do things like this yeah. and then also ask him exactly. to accept the difference. That, that I will say, is like there's plenty of times where people are like, well, I always like climb into bed with you. Why would I not do that? And you're like, because we're not dating anymore. And you're the one who wants to establish that and make sure that I get that. Well, especially if you feel that the other person is still trying to get with you. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, there's just plenty of times where you're like, no, okay, you also have to. You have to establish some boundaries Absolutely. to 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 transition this relationship into a new relationship. Absolutely. And uh, again, to me, to me, I think that just introducing all of these ideas in a very healthy format or like it, at such a young age is really important because I don't think we always see someone just accept that. I think like I was thinking of the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine sure. and how uh, Boyle does that with Rosa in the first season, mm -hmm. how he's constantly pursuing her. And then eventually she's like, I only like you as a friend and that's how it will be. And then he's like, you know what? 
I will, I don't feel the same way, but I will accept and respect your wishes and let our relationship grow from there. Sure. Um, uh, again, in that book that I was reading, uh, Ethical Slut, it talks about how the end of a sexual relationship or a partner relationship doesn't mean that that relationship itself is no good. You know, like sometimes people work better as friends and sometimes that's a temporary thing. And sometimes you don't want to be around each other and you shouldn't be around each other at all. Sure. All of those are options, but sometimes you don't have to throw everything out just because you didn't work as a couple. Sure. Which is what I like that this episode does. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Uh, I don't think so. I think we touched on most of the stuff. Uh, The only thing I want to end with is um, I'd never not be there for you. Yes. There's clearly just a commitment that's going to be between these two from the history that they have, the relationship that they've developed. Um, They... Each other's first kiss, first yeah. dates, first everything. So. The only thing I have, like, I like this. The only problem that I have with it is, again, Corey gets the benefit of the doubt because when he, and I don't mean that, like, in a neg- in a negative way from Topanga. I mean in the way the show sets it up because Turner's like, Corey's not the type of guy who will just leave you hanging. You know what I mean? It's like no one... No one's acknowledging that Corey is behaving childishly. Yeah. And I feel like a better way to do that would be like, hey, hope I hope he comes. But if he doesn't, you deserve someone who respects your friendship. Or, yeah. you know, it's like something to where it's like it puts the owner or it, it acknowledges Topanga's awkward position sure. and gives her sympathy without automatically giving Corey credit, who as this point in time is not there. Sure. sure, definitely. <laughs> so that's my only real edit, but... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what grade... Or, sorry, do you have a bruh moment or anything like that? You know what? I don't know that I have a bruh moment for this episode. Other than... Oh, you know what? I do. Bruh. <laughs> Amy and Alan need to be in prison for... <laughs> imprisoning their child for at least six months. I tell you, she was just upstairs in her game. Sorry, upstairs in her room playing the latest Sonic the Hedgehog Game Boy game. I'm sure that was the only thing she had to do considering she was not allowed to leave for months <laughs> on that. Uh, she looked well fed, so that's where I'm going to put that. Um, my bra moment, I guess, it's, it's kind of what I had hinted at earlier, but it's not like a bad bra moment. It's just like the idea that we're at a school function and people are offering to buy. Turner's clothes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, send him a, a note privately, you know? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's my whole thing. Um, a Feeney taught me, Topanga taught me uh, uh, the lesson of this episode. I, I think the lesson is um, about <laughs> transitioning relationships, about yeah. evolving from one kind of relationship to, the, to another. I don't have an exact quote to support that, but I feel like that's the general... Uh, concept of the episode is you know going from friendships to to what happens afterwards i mean from relationship to friendship yeah if you really care for each other you don't throw away the bond of friendship exactly exactly that was pretty much the lesson to me um okay great what are you giving this think of this episode a b yes solid b solid i feel like i feel like we get a lot of growth from the characters i feel like our time is used well. I don't feel like the B storyline takes away from the A storyline in any way. And actually, I was going to say this earlier, but I actually feel like... Crossover? It's it's It kind of hints at it with Feeney's line of no one likes rejection. Okay. And I like I was like, oh, that's actually what this entire episode is really about. Yeah. It's really about everyone picking yourself back up and, and 
applying again and trying again and yeah. and doing the thing that you is hard to do when you've been rejected. Yeah, or when you thought you had something you lost. Because exactly. that happened to both Corey and, and Eric in this. Exactly. So that was that was my one thing. Okay, um homework. Oh yeah, okay. I have some good homework. Okay. Um, go. I have uh two things that I want to throw out, both of which are Netflix originals. <laughs> um my first is the show Rhythm and Flow on Netflix. Um the reason why I'm recommending this show is because it's an American Idol voice type show, but it is about hip hop. And although that's, you know, really interesting, I'm, I am I enjoy the rap myself. I, I found a lot of things that I really dug about it. But the, I think the biggest difference between this and every other reality show I've seen is that they are all performing songs that they have written themselves. Ooh. They're rapping. They can't perform someone else's song. So, like, as you're going through each performance, you're, like, learning these people's stories and you're learning, like, their creativity. And it's just so much more... Um, artistic than any other show I've seen. You're, these are like, it's almost like a storyteller's thing, like where you're really like learning about each character through their songs that they write and everything like that. So I just think it's extremely well done. And I think that hip hop lends itself to this type of format because of that storytelling aspect. No, I really like, I've, I've been talking to you uh, about this for a long. So I was like, why are there not more reality shows that central, that center around minority yeah. um interest sure you know it's like there a lot of things are like america's got talent or um you know so you think you can dance or like oh i mean like all of those things kind of hit it on the fringe but white people are at the front of these and i feel like rhythm and flow specifically is like no we're we are trying to reach out to minority individuals and show the talents that you have that aren't always appreciated as art. Definitely, definitely. And what I also like is that the show actually does things really interesting. So, like, on American Idol, you're like, welcome back to Beatles week. And it's yeah. like, oh, my God. So, it's like every week, then you sing a different genre. Yeah. This is like, hey, we're going to have, like, a freestyle battle. Then after that, we're going to pair you up with an actual R&B artist to do a collab. And then we're going to pair you up with a producer to do a song. And then you're going to shoot a music video. And, like, they do all so the full arc of a, of artistry. I was going to say it sounds like it's not only entertaining but it's educational. So it's like 100%. these people leave with experience as opposed More to so just than, being used for their talent. Absolutely. And so that's why I think like when the show ends you're like, "Oh wow, I can see any of these people really popping off versus the voice where it's really just about the judges bickering at each other." Exactly. So, um and I just quickly also second bit of homework. Dolomite is my name and fucking up <laughs> motherfuckers is my game. Eddie Murphy is back y'all in an R-rated comedy where he belongs. I really thought the brother lost it because obviously he hasn't done anything in like 11 years, like anything really big. And he also just, anytime I've seen him in interviews, he just seems kind of quiet. He seems reserved. I thought maybe he lost his Eddie. His bite. His bite. And it, it's, it's. I'm realizing he's 60 years old, one. Yeah. He's an old man. Like he doesn't look it. He looks yeah. great. Um, but as soon as that, like you watch that movie, you're like, oh man, the kid is Back. And I just, I really thought that he gave an amazing performance. I thought the movie was shot really beautifully. I thought showing a black man in the 70s being an independent filmmaker who where every door was shut in his face, he's like, I'm going to do it myself. That's the story of Dolomite. It's a story that anyone can relate to. And it's just done wonderfully. So, I will say watching it at the end, like I, I wasn't in love with the movie, but I loved I just, like, this is my whole little thing, and it's a little tangent, but, and nonetheless, watching the movie, the moment we meet um, his female counterpoint, sure. or whatever, I was like, 
Her story is way more interesting to me. Yeah. Tell me her story. Like, 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 yeah. I, don't get me wrong. We can bring him into it, but like, why are we not following her? She came. Like everything you told me about her, I am ten times more interested in than this. What would be a failed male artist until he reached success, which is so common. I don't know. I I think this the draw of the story, and I think the thing that people are getting from it is this idea that when no one else believes in you, you have to believe that in you. That is such a common I male. No, but this trope. is it's not a trope. This is a real life I story. Know, but like these are the movies that Hollywood allows to be made. So you think that there should be some uh, like the female equivalent to this? The male well, I'm just saying it's like the male underdog, which again, I I like I love the ending of this movie. And again, without giving anything away, it was definitely feel good. I like at the end of this movie, it definitely showed respect. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know what? I may not have liked the ride, but I love the destination. Sure. Whereas the moment she was introduced, every scene she was in, I was like, yes, more. Where are you? What's your story? How did we get here? When she has her intimate scene with Eddie in that one-on-one conversation, I was like, yes, again, this is what I want. And it was like, I, I, I personally just feel whenever we get these stories, almost always we are introduced to a fringe female character who I'm like, their story is way more interesting in terms of storyline, but you are the ticket in. So I guess we have to I will out. say that if you want the same story, but you want the focus to be on the girls, Dream Girls. Yes. Eddie Murphy is this already established man who discovers these women who... Perfect, perfect one go. for what. I love that you said that. I'm adding that. So to you can. Work. So if you if you watch Dolomite and you have the same feeling that Siege did, just watch Dream Girls and you're fine. You know what? I, I double feature. It's I'm here feature. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay. Um, and then on that, on top of Dream Girls, because <laughs> <laughs> um, I I now recommend a double feature. Thank you, way to the top. <laughs> I mean, he does great in that. It's my and he favorite. got his. Was that oh his first gosh. Oscar nomination? I don't know, but that's easily his best acting. He was been. so good in that. Yeah. Um, and then. I have a bit of a different homework, and I'm doing it very similar to what I did a few weeks ago, where I am asking you guys to watch this so I have someone to discuss it with. I saw The Lighthouse, um, which is, I will not lie to you, it is an indie art film. It is everything that you think of when you think of indie and art. It's in black and white. It's in a one-to-one ratio. It's it's so weird and absurd at times. one-to-one? Yeah, it is. It's like it's it's, it's, it's a box. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The entire time. Um and when you learn the history behind it, it or like the the background um of the movie and the production, it's even more interesting, but watching the movie is just such a weird trip. And oh, okay. I want someone else to watch it so I can talk to him about it. Fair I enough. will not recommend this. This is not Dolomite is your name. This is not a Netflix show. This is definitely something that is weird, and you have to be into indie art films in order to even like stick with it because it's like two hours or something like that. Did you ever see um, uh, the Nicolas Cage movie where his like wife gets like murdered or taken away from him and he has to like revenge? It just came out like a few years ago and it was super artsy and independent. No. Okay. Uh, you can admit this, but I just, I like. Yes. Yeah. It's that, so, like just that weird art. I need to talk to I, someone about I this. will say this. Robert Pattinson does a way... You're like, oh, you're right. I never would have thought of you as anyone other than a teen star 
And so you're saying that Robert Pattinson isn't a bad actor. He was just playing the part that he was assigned in Twilight. And you could very easily see him as Batman. I will say that this movie is what he needed to do in order for audience to take him seriously as Batman. Hmm. I okay. will say that. And then I will also say that William Defoe is William Defoe and yeah. always and forever just ludicrous craziness on screen. But because it's William Defoe, you're like, yep, I'm here for every bit of this. So, yeah, yeah, those are my homework assignments. All right. Um, thank you guys for William listening. William Defoe seems like the kind of guy who grins during sex. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, I'm weirdly turned on. Ooh, I mean, like, here's the thing. Would I ever? Maybe. <laughs> but, like, it's just, like, out of curiosity. I don't know. We're, we're learning a lot about Try it. Try a Green Goblin. Why not? <laughs> Okay, uh, thank you guys for listening to Bro Meets World. Remember, you can find us now on all the places, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Uh, leave us a rating. We appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Bro Meets World or email us at bromeetsworld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J-T-C. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at dot, at a braver me, at dot braver dot me. A dot break. You can find me on Instagram. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, guys, you know what? We are getting closer and closer to Disney Plus. Um, so the return of Boy Meets World will be coming to your streaming services. But as we mentioned, you can watch really terrible versions of these on YouTube if you guys want to continue to follow along. Yeah, it's just like a slightly sped up yeah. version, which of course. But if you if you want to follow along, feel free to do so. Um, also, please remember to dream. To try. Uh, dream girls, which is like. And do good. Be a dream girl. Dream. Later. Later, bros. I was gonna say later, dream girls, but okay. Uh, right. I think right. maybe it was one too many. Right. Either way, later, bros. Later, bro. Thank you.